Welcome in to 5 on 3, WFUV's exclusive hockey podcast. Boy, is it good to hear that ESPN NHL theme song again. They have the rights to the to the ESPN, not the ESPN, what am I saying? The World Cup of Hockey this year. It's back, 2016 in Toronto. The games have been great so far, but... Unless not, you're a fan of Team USA. Yeah, not really for Team USA. Matt Murphy here with Christian Hoban across from me, Maria Tribal Peace. The three of us talking five topics in the hockey world, two of them that we're going to start with related to that World Cup of Hockey and Team USA specifically came out really flat on Saturday against Team Europe. They lost 3 nothing. What did you guys think of that performance? I, I think to me the biggest thing that stood out was a, a lack of perhaps any offensive uh, performance from the United States. And I think one of the biggest pieces of that was uh, the decision to scratch Dustin Bufflin for the first game. He's a he's a really important uh, piece of that power play. Um, is really important in transitioning from the defense to the offense, which he does so well for the Winnipeg. Um, it's it was just a questionable decision at best, and before the game, and once we saw the game, it it was no longer questionable. It was just a bad decision. He's a very good offensive defenseman, and. No signs really pointed to him being scratched, at least in the pre-tournament games for the USA team. One of one of the games, they actually beat Team Canada in a pre-tournament game, who they play tonight at 8 o'clock, and it's a, a must-win game for the U.S. We'll get into that in our second segment, but back to the Bufflin scratch for a second. He was scratched along with Kyle Palmieri, the New Jersey Devil, who scored 30 goals last year. They could have used some goal scoring out there on the ice against Team Europe. They were sloppy in all facets. Three straight scoreless games now on the big stage for Team USA Hockey, dating back to a one nothing loss all the way in the Sochi Olympics against Canada, their opponent tonight, which was then followed up in that Olympics by a brutal scoreless effort in the bronze medal game. They didn't even want to be there, really. So in the past 197 minutes and 59 seconds of ice time in international best-on-best, best, so to speak, hockey, the U.S. is scoreless. Matt, so, Matt I'm not sure I qualify as a total expert, I'm, but I'm going to go with that's not good. It's not necessarily good. Maria, how do they fix this thing? Patrick Kane and the boys got to get it going. I really don't know how they're going to fix it. They were even over 4 on the power play last night, only 35 shots on goal, 17 in the first two periods. They looked almost passive. They really need to attack the net more and ultimately score some more goals if they have any chance of actually competing with the dominant team Canada. Another thing is that, I mean, you can talk about Patrick Kane and whether or not he's performing as the obvious offensive star for Team USA, but the thing that Patrick Kane has in Chicago that really helps him is he's got other players on his team that can score. So Patrick Kane's really going to benefit if other offensive players on the on Team USA step up. You need guys like James Van Riemsdyk. You need Kyle Palmieri if he's in the lineup tonight. I don't even know. He is. He's, Ryan, he is in the lineup. Ryan Kessler, TJ Oshie. These kind of guys need to step up to help Kane because – when they're not producing, defenses teams can lock in on Kane and shut him down and not have to worry as much about the other guys. So, I mean, as much as a lackluster USA offense, can't you can blame it on Patrick Kane. In, in some other sense, you can't because the best player isn't always to blame for a lack of offense when, from the whole team. Well, whatever it is, they need to fix it because Kane hasn't scored a goal in international play since the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver. So he didn't score in, I think, six games in the Sochi Olympics. And if he's the, the leading point getter, leading American point getter, he needs to do something to get this offense energized tonight. Team Europe, who I mentioned they lost to, is actually one of the big surprises of the World Cup of Hockey 2016. They're 2-0 now following a, an overtime win over the Czech Republic yesterday, 3-2. Leon Dreisaitl had the game-winning goal on an assist from 
New York Ranger Matt Zuccarello on a really nice play. So Europe sits atop of the USA and Canada group, which is Group A, making it very difficult on the U.S. Realistically, they need to beat the mighty Canada tonight and hope that Canada somehow loses to that surprise team, Team Europe, in their third game. Doesn't seem realistic, but tonight at 8 o'clock, Maria, USA-Canada on the big stage. USA and Canada is going to be a really tough match. Yes, Canada is 10 times better team on paper, and obviously they've been showing it in the tournament as well. But as you were mentioning before, it's a huge rivalry game, and pretty much anything can happen. Will Team USA win? I don't know about that, but it'll, it'll be a battle for Canada. Christian and I, big Flyers fans over here, I know you like the team from Pittsburgh, so we'll leave you out of this, but Claude Giroux, Philadelphia Flyers captain, is scratched tonight for the second straight game for Team Canada. It makes sense from the standpoint of they won 6 nothing on Saturday night, so they didn't want to change anything with their lineup. Mike Babcock, their coach, wanted to keep things how they were, and they were pretty good in the 6-0 win. Brad Marchand, Sidney Crosby, and Patrice Bergeron are their top line. They all scored a goal on Saturday. And it's going to be a tough task for the U.S., obviously. It, it really says something about the talent of your roster when you can afford to leave a guy like Claude Giroux off your roster. I mean, he'd be first. he'd be a first-line player on a lot of these other teams in the World Cup. I mean, maybe depending on position, maybe not Team USA. But he'd be first-line on a lot of these teams. And Canada can just afford to leave him off entirely. I mean, he's one of the most productive offensive players in the NHL these past five seasons. And, you know... Babcock says, I don't want to change the dynamics. I'm not going to put in Claude Giroux. I mean, that's that's kind of insane if you really think about I it. I think he's actually the leading Canadian point getter over like the last five seasons or something, and he's not even in the Team Canada lineup. Yeah, so. I mean, we'll discount the fact that that's due to Sidney Crosby injuries, but yeah, whether, absolutely. I mean, it's still, it's still pretty crazy to think about. It's going to be a chippy game tonight. There, was, there were two pre-tournament games, I think I mentioned that, between the U.S. and Canada leading up to this World Cup of Hockey 2016, and they were pretty physical for pre-tournament games. Tonight, wouldn't be surprised to see some gloves dropped. John Tortorella, the U.S. coach, that's the style they want to play. They know they got to be chippy. But Brandon Dubinsky, a guy that plays for Tortorella in in uh, Columbus, scratched in place of Kyle Palmer, scratched so that Kyle Palmieri can get some scoring into the lineup. But the whole reason he made the team was to try to lock down Sidney Crosby and play that gritty style against Canada. So the U.S. is kind of pulling out all stops for offense heading into tonight. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of silly to think that. Is Justin Advocate in the lineup tonight? He is, and he's playing with Patrick Kane. It's kind of silly to think that you would you would uh, put Paul Mary in. Um, and not take Abdulkader out. I don't. I don't understand. Yeah, I, mean, I thought Abdulkader would be the one to come out as well. Yeah, do, I mean, the, you mentioned it. I mean, Tortorella coaches Dubinsky in Columbus. He knows what he can do defensively on Crosby. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, I, just another in a, a list of questionable decisions from John Tortorella for Team USA. Kane and Pavelski and Pacioretty, Those are the guys with skill for the Americans. The other names on the roster are going to have to bring that grit and try to shut down Canada and hopefully. They can get one, Kane and those guys can get one past Carey Price, who looked sloppy when the U.S. beat Canada in the, one of the, in the first pre-tournament game, but he looked great so far in their first game against, he put up a shutout against the Czech Republic. Yeah, so. I, don't, I don't know how much you can, you can bank on Carey Price being sloppy for more than one game in a row. Especially I mean, coming off last season, he was injured for most of the season, so it's, he was bound to have some rust, and I think he's yeah. already starting to knock that rust off, which is a terrible sign for that, the Americans. That, yeah, that's just really unfortunate for everybody in this tournament in the NHL, if Carey Price is healthy and, and playing at the level he can play, it's just not even fair. We've been talking about Patrick Kane a lot tonight. 
Torts has said that Kane will be a rover, in quotes, I say that tonight. He's going to jump from line to line. I said he's starting with Advocator, and they'll be centered by Derek Stepan. But he's going to bounce around, and he's going to play probably more than 20 minutes in this game. He's the He was the, the MVP of the league last year, the leading point getter by, I think, 17 points. So if they're going to win tonight, they're not only going to need to get points from Patrick Kane, but Jonathan Quick in goal needs to really be on his A game against this explosive Canada team that boasts a second line of John Tavares, Ryan Getzlav, and Steven Stamkos. Yeah, when Steven Stamkos and John Tavares are on your second line, I don't even I don't even know what you can do at that point other than try to just scrap it up and throw the game plan out the window for Team Canada. I mean, if you're Team USA, you got to go in this with the mindset of we're not going to we're not more talented than them, so we got to mess them up. We got to get them off their game because their game is to be better than us. So if we get them off their game, maybe maybe we have a chance. But I think that's the only way. And I think you're right that Quick needs to stand on his head. He didn't really have a great first game for Team USA. He gave up, I think he had 17 saves, and he gave up three goals. Obviously, they lost 3 nothing. Obviously, we, we all know here in the studio it's going to be a, a tough task for the U.S. tonight against Canada, but I'm excited about the tournament being back as a whole. It's good to have hockey in the middle of September. We're less than a month away from the NHL season. I'm covering the Rangers this year. Christian will be covering the Devils. I had that beat last year. Maria is just a huge hockey fan over here, so she'll be following the league. What do you guys think about the atmosphere so far that you've seen in Canada at the World Cup? I think it's pretty awesome just because the tournament hasn't been around since 2004. And especially with the coverage that it's getting, hockey isn't usually as prevalent, especially in the United States. So just the fact that it's on ESPN, more and more people can watch it. I think it's great for the sport, great for fans of the sport and it's just an overall positive experience for the hockey world and I know Christian you wanted to talk about team North America that's another team I should explain this real quick because I was talking about how the U.S. lost to team Europe and you might be thinking that's not a country how does that make sense if you haven't been following the format of the tournament it's eight teams there are six countries and then there's two of these kind of gimmicky teams that were added to the tournament team Europe is made of made up of all European players that don't have their country represent represented so for instance uh, Norway, Germany, different different countries like that. And then Team North America is comprised of players from North America, Canadian players, U.S.-born players who are under 23 years old. They have some sick jerseys. They lost last night to a really good Russian team, but the talent is unbelievable from Team North America. I, I am just in love with this team, guys. I, I don't know what else to say. So much talent, so much speed, so much enthusiasm for the game. It's just so much fun. I mean, it's uh, discarding my irrational love for Shane Gostisbehere, the Flyers defenseman, who's that I absolutely team. share with you, one hundred percent. I there, there's just so many players on this team who you, you can't hate: McDavid, Johnny Goudreau, Jonathan Drouin. Just it's just so much fun to watch. All a lot of those guys on that team would be on Canada or would be on the U.S. teams. Now some of them wouldn't, so they're lucky that the North American team is there. But Connor McDavid would. Connor McDavid would absolutely be on Team Canada. Shane jo- Johnny Goudreau would be on Team USA. Yeah, and so would Goudreau. So I mean. The U.S. might have solved their offensive problems had Team North America not existed <laughs> yeah. because Johnny Gaudreau would be a first-line player. Imagine him and Patrick Kane, what they could do together. That would be, be some crazy. magic. And Dylan Larkin. Absolutely. There would be a, a more than a few players from Team North America on Team USA, and same team, Team North America would have guys on Team Canada as well. So it started as a gimmick, but I'm all aboard Team North America. They're the fastest team in the tournament by far. I think everyone's on board now with what they bring to the table. It'll be interesting to see if they can advance. They did lose last night 4-3 to to Russia and was a, what was a really good hockey game. So we'll see what happens with that. We're going to continue to keep an eye on the World Cup of Hockey, but I wanted to shift the focus of the podcast for the last three segments. I mentioned 
we do five segments between the three of us, and I failed to mention what the segments were at the beginning of the show. So if you're still listening, thank you. But we're going to get into local hockey, the New York Rangers, the New York Islanders, and the New Jersey Devils. The season is, like I said, not too close, but it's not too far now. And I want to talk. Smell it. I want to talk New York Rangers. New York Rangers hockey. Maria, they lost to your Pittsburgh Penguins, the Rangers did, in the first round of the playoffs last year. And Pittsburgh eventually went on. You guys know the rest. They won the Stanley Cup, much to the displeasure of of Christian and I, Philadelphia Flyers fans. But the Rangers last year, 46-27-9. They were third in the Metropolitan Division. Let's just take you through the the Rangers that are in the World Cup. We'll kind of tie that theme into the uh, individual team segments as well. Matt Zuccarello is on Team Europe. He's from Norway. JT Miller on Team North America. Henrik Lundqvist had a shutout today this afternoon for Team Sweden. He was sick during their first game. They still won. They're a really good team. Derek Stepan and Ryan McDonough both on Team USA. This year, 90th anniversary season for the Rangers. What can we expect out of them? I think they're going to bring a lot to the table this year. They did lose to Pittsburgh, but obviously because Pittsburgh's just that good. And every game that they did lose in that series was close. I think the I think game five it was ended up they lost by two, but every other time they were right in the game just need to produce a little bit more offense, I think. They were struggled a little bit with scoring, especially in the series against Pittsburgh. But I think especially being that it's their 90th season, they're going to bring a lot to the table. They're going to be wanting to win, wanting to advance farther, and hopefully that energy will transpire into some success. You mentioned the need for offense. They did address that in the offseason. They got guys like Micah Zibanejad, Jimmy Vesey, Michael Grabner, Brandon Peary, those last two guys, not the biggest names in the world, but they did try to address that need. But the thing with the Rangers last year, and it's going to continue to be that this year, is the defense, Christian, as well. So not only offense, I think, Maria, they might have solved that a little bit this offseason. They signed Jimmy VC, the Hobie Baker Award winner from Harvard, 23 years old. He might have a, a pretty good role for them. Micah Zibanejad from Ottawa is a really good, explosive young forward. But that defense, Christian, is is very interesting. I, I It's it's tough to, to make hay out of it, um, especially with trading away Keith Yandel. Um, it's just a, a little bit confusing because you're not sure if they're good. You think they're good, and then they might not be good, and then you wonder if they're good because they've got Henrik Lundqvist. It's I know I'm not even sure. I'm not. The window is closing. The window because is Henrik closing. Lundqvist's window because Henrik Lundqvist's window is closing. Because Henrik Lundqvist's window is closing, and I'm going to contend with something from a little earlier. I don't know how much they upgraded on offense. I mean, Jimmy VC was uh, a big fish in a small pond. I mean, I don't know how much he's going to add to the NHL. He level. can play though. I don't know he if can, you saw his goal. He, uh, the I think last night he played in some. Uh, preseason type deal with the Rangers younger players and oh, he had he some can, sick he can goals. play he's talented I just want to see I just want to see if he contributes against the big boys you know when you didn't gets, like you didn't like the Derek Broussard for Zibanejad trade with Ottawa I mean Zibanejad is a is a name that people know because it's a unique name and it's a That's fun true. name I don't know yeah. how much I don't know how, mu- how much he really adds I mean yes he adds something but I don't know if if uh adding Zibanejad and VC make up for their offensive deficiencies that we saw last year. I mean, because they've, they, they've got some offensive talent, they just don't have scoring depth, which is uh, very important um, in the NHL playoffs, especially as we saw from the Penguins. They were they were getting goals in the playoffs from guys you've never heard of and guys whose names I can't even remember. Connor Sheary Connor Sheer- and uh, like, Eric Fair, a couple yeah, of those guys. Guys like that. I mean, it's important to have players like that, and I don't, I don't really see them on the Rangers. I guess Zibanejad and Vesey are your scoring depth, but I don't know. 
VC's unproven and Zabang. I mean, they have Chris Kreider, they have JT Miller, guys that are relatively established in New York. But I think VC and guy a new a new guy like Pavel Buknevich, I don't know if I pronounced that right, he's going to get a crack at the lineup this year. But another big thing for the Rangers was penalty killing last year. They I mentioned Michael Grabner's name. He's going to be important. I think they got Nathan Gerby, who will be used on the penalty kill. He's all of what five foot seven. Yep. Don't know how that's going to work he's, out. He's a good two way forward. That'll help them on this at least the second pa- uh, penalty kill unit. They added Nick Holden, a defenseman from Colorado, to attempt to replace Keith Yandel's spot on the defense, but that's not really a fair comparison. That's going to be a huge hole. Other notable losses besides Yandel and Broussard, obviously we mentioned the Broussard trade, Victor Stahlberg, Eric Stahl. So your top pair defense for the Rangers this year is probably going to be Ryan McDonough and Dan Girardi, a guy whose contract gets talked about more than anything else in New York City hockey. So I'm not sure what to expect. I think it's going to be another playoff season for the New York Rangers. I'm looking forward to covering the team this year. I just don't know how much better they're going to be than yeah. they were last year. Yeah, I mean, you look at the talent on this roster. I mean, it's I think it's pretty obvious that they'll make it back to the playoffs, especially with the state of the Metropolitan Division. Absolutely. But I I don't know how much how much more you can expect from them. I mean, obviously if if Lundqvist catches fire in the playoffs, all bets are off, but it when you're when you're a team that's banking on that, I don't know if they're banking on it, but when you're a team that needs that to make a run in the playoffs, it would help and I it think, would help. Yeah, absolutely they're capable of going all the way to the Stanley Cup if they get a, a nice run out of out of Hank in goal. So that's that's kind of where the Rangers are at right now. It's now or never. The window is closing, like we said. But let's move on, on over to the New York Islanders. Nearly identical record, one game off of what the Rangers did last year, which put them fourth in the Metropolitan Division at 45-27-10. They won a playoff series for the first time in a long time against the kind of young, kind of old Florida Panthers. I don't really know. How to yeah, categorize not a, lot, not a lot of guys in the middle there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so they either are insanely young or you got y- Yamir Yager. So and Luongo. Yeah, absolutely. But the Islanders team, another team with a little bit of optimism going into this year. They made some big moves this this off season. They added Andrew Ladd, but they also lost Franz Nielsen, Kyle Oposo, Matt Martin to Toronto. So it's going to be an, an interesting year for the Islanders as well. I think they're a team that gets back to the playoffs because the Eastern Conference isn't that strong but it's about how far they can go once they get there. Yeah, I I the moves they made in the offseason are interesting. Kyle Poso is definitely was definitely a very important piece of that team, but I think I am a big fan of Andrew Ladd and I think he's really two-time gonna, Stanley Cup winner that helps. He's really going to add something to that team that I frankly I think uh, Poso and Nielsen didn't really give them. I think Ladd, I think I think Ladd is a was a really underrated signing. I think he's really going to help and any team that has John Tavares is going to be a really good team. He's just a great player and a great leader, and he really is a is a really big catalyst for their success. And I even I like I like even uh, Jason Chimera and yeah, yeah. PA Parento. I yeah, mean, Parento had a ton of success. He played two seasons with the Islanders when he was on the same line as Tavares. So that's something they hope they can rekindle for this season. They signed Ryan Strom to a two-year, $5 million extension this morning, so there's a little bit of current Islanders news. They're looking for a bounce-back year from him. That's good value, Just 28 points last year, eight goals, so they need— If he, if he, if he produces the way he can, that's pretty good value. Yeah, he's got Islanders. a lot of potential. They're going to need to fill that void left by Nielsen. Strom can play a little bit of center. They might put him out on the wing sometimes. But another thing to, to monitor about this Islanders team before we finish up with the Devils is 
I don't know how well they they adapted to the Barclays Center last year, their uh, their home venue, and there's talks about either them opting out or Barclays opting out. We don't know where the Islanders are going to be playing come three, four years from now. Yeah, they had mentioned in a couple different places that they could possibly move to Queens, but the whole adaptation, I guess would be the word I'm looking for, didn't seem to go too well for the Islanders, so we'll have to see. I don't think their record was that bad. It's just that the fans... It's a hike for a lot of their their longtime yeah. fans, and it's and it's a basketball stadium. Yeah, I mean Jay Z. It was Jay-Z there was Nets built logos. Jay Z built a basketball stadium, and the Islanders decided to play there. So I mean, it's it's not the best. It's not the best for hockey, and you know they can either tough it out and people will get used to it. I mean, or they or they'll move. I mean, I I don't know what I don't know what else to say about it other than it's just not a hockey stadium. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. But for now, it's time to wrap up the show with the New Jersey Devils, a team that always gets put at the back end of this podcast. And I'm not sure <laughs> why. Devils. They had a really pleasant surprise of a season last year. I was fortunate enough to cover the team. Going in, didn't really have any expectations. Kyle Palmieri put up 30 goals. Adam Henrique had a good season. And Corey Schneider in net, whose cousin Leighton actually just graduated from Fordham and was in WFUV with us here. So no no Schneider connection this year, but we have you covering the team this year in Newark. So good luck with that hike to the Prudential Center from the Bronx. Not looking forward to that, but what I am looking forward to is Taylor Hall. So yeah, at least you, talk, you have that. If you talk about a pleasant surprise in the in the season last year for the Devils, they got an even more pleasant surprise in the offseason when it turns out they could trade Adam Larson for Taylor Hall. Who would have thought that was an option for them? I mean... They made out like bandits. I don't know. It's, yeah, that's it's a, gonna be a lot of fun to Edmonton, watch Taylor Hall. Edmonton Oilers fans are scratching their heads. They know they need defense in Edmonton, but I'm not sure Adam Larson for Taylor Hall is great value there. So we'll see what happens. The Devils seem to have won that trade, I think, by all accounts. Thirty eight, thirty six, and eight. They'll be looking to improve on that record from a year ago and make the playoffs this year. They just missed it last year. Towards the back end, they kinda kind just of ran out of gas a little bit. Notable offseason additions. Hall, they got Ben Lovejoy and Bo Bennett, two former Pittsburgh Penguins. Notable losses, I guess you could say Adam Larson, David Schlemko, another defenseman, Jordan Tutu, who's an interesting character, and Steven Gianta. So I think this team has nowhere to go but up. They have another young guy like Pavel Zaka, who's probably ready to come up and make an impact this year. Keep an eye out for the Devils. I think those last two playoff spots in the East are up for grabs. Teams like the Flyers and the Devils are going to be right there again this year. And we'll see what happens, but I'm I'm optimistic about the Devils this year. Yeah, I mean the the addition the additions are are fun are fun for the offense. I mean the defense is a little suspect, but when you got a, a goalie like Corey Schneider, Corey Schneider's elite. I got to see him stand on his head a lot last year. He's one of the best goalies in the league. I mean when you when you have a goalie like Corey Schneider, maybe a little bit he he'll make up for a little bit of that defensive deficiency, and you'll see. Uh, the offense being the the main attraction for the Devils, and maybe that'll push them towards a playoff run. I don't know if they can close the the gap on the playoff teams. I mean, the Flyers didn't really do much to improve in the off season. Right. I mean, they're counting on young guys stepping up uh, that from the juniors and stuff. So I I mean, it'll be interesting to see if they can make that step. Uh, I think Taylor Hall's a very talented player. I don't know if he's that level of player that can help it carry a team through to the playoffs. But it'll be interesting to see. I'm looking forward to covering them, though I'm not looking forward to the trek to Newark. Uh, thanks, NJ Transit. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that one. So the three of us seem to agree that the Rangers and Islanders will be back in their usual positions. We're pretty optimistic about the Devils. 
But we'll have five on three for you. That's going to about do it for us today. We'll have it weekly for you throughout the hockey season. But here on September 20th, it's great to talk hockey. It's great to have the World Cup of Hockey, USA-Canada, coming up tonight at 8 o'clock. I think most people can speculate about the end result of that one at this point in time. But we'll find out. I'm rooting for the U.S. I'm hoping that they pull out a miracle on ice, I guess, so to speak. But that's all we got for you today. Keep an eye out for the next edition of Five on Three.